amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Hello, friends. My life got real squirrely the last couple of days, and I fully intended to not have time to pull anything together for this week, but the people in my world convinced me I could come up with something. So here's a thing I've been meaning to try for a while. The world is real hard right now, and I just couldn't face another sad story like I usually do. And there are just not enough fun and interesting tales about drug pilots crashing into Virginia mountains to cover. So instead, we're going to take the first of what I'm going to call a field trip. We'll chat about some stuff that's not necessarily Virginia-related, but it's cool to learn about, and sometimes, like this time, especially relevant to what's going on in the world. So welcome to our first field trip, you guys. I hope you remember to bring your bag lunches and that you found a friend to sit with on the bus. Today we're going to take a ride up the East Coast, from where I'm sitting right now, at the foot of Virginia's Blue Ridge Mountains, and head north into New York State, to Oyster Bay, New York, where we're going to learn a little bit about a woman named Mary Mallon, someone better known to history by the name Typhoid Mary. Hello, friends. I'm your host, Jenny. Welcome to Vile, Virginia. Mary Mallon was born September 23, 1869, in the village of Cookstown in Northern Ireland, a prophetic name for a woman who'd grew up to earn her living as a cook herself, first in Ireland and then in New York, where she would immigrate as a teenager. Beginning in 1900 and until 1907, Mary Mallon would work for several different families in New York City and surrounding counties, including in Oyster Bay, Long Island, at the time, a playground for wealthy New York elite looking to escape the heat and smells of the city for more pastoral summer scenery. It was the summer of 1906 when Mary Mallon got a job for the family of Charles Henry Warren, a rich New York City banker who planned a summer with his family at a home he'd rented in that community on Long Island. Within two weeks of her employment that summer, Six of the 11 members of the Warren family and staff were hospitalized 
with typhoid fever. The community was shocked. Typhoid fever is something they thought only affected poor communities or crowded slums and was a result of poor hygiene and sanitation. Nobody could fathom that this illness would strike down the majority of a wealthy household like that of banker Charles Henry Warren, but it had. Typhoid fever is a bacterial infection typically spread by contaminated food and water. Before the advent of antibiotics to treat it, those with typhoid fever could die of the high fevers and diarrhea that the illness caused. The Warren family recovered, but the man who'd rented them their summer home was afraid that nobody would ever rent it again, thinking it unsanitary. As why else would those fancy rich people get such a terrible illness? So the landlord hired a man named George Soper to get to the bottom of what exactly had happened. Why had people become ill from typhoid in the summer of 1906 in that home? George Soper was not a regular detective. Instead, he was a civil engineer who'd become an expert on sanitation and had had great luck on previous investigations of mysterious typhoid outbreaks. He diligently checked out the house's plumbing, the local shellfish supply, the well, and other potential culprits but soon became convinced that the outbreak was the responsibility of just a single person. He eventually narrowed his sights on Mary Mallon, a cook who had taken over just a couple of weeks before the Warren household became ill, and who left shortly after, and who other staff members described as, quote, not particularly clean. Convinced that the timing of the cook's arrival was no accident, Soper combed through Mary Mallon's previous employment history. What he found was shocking. In 1900, Mary Mallon worked for a family in Westchester County, right outside New York City. Two weeks after she started, two members of the family became ill with typhoid fever. In 1901, Mary Mallon moved to Manhattan. Two members of the family she worked for there also became ill, and the laundry woman died. After that, she worked for a lawyer in the city where she stayed until seven of the eight people in that household became ill. Altogether, George Soper discovered that seven of the families that Mary Mallon had worked with in six years had been diagnosed with typhoid fever, resulting in 22 infections and one death. How exactly Mary Mallon was making these people sick was a puzzle. She herself was reportedly perfectly healthy, never exhibiting any symptoms of the illness. Also, any food she could contaminate would at some point be cooked and thus sterilized, making it impossible to transmit the disease that way. So how could she do it? Mary Mallon was a high-end cook for very wealthy New Yorkers. She knew what she was doing in the kitchen. And so she had some specialties, one of which was ice cream with fresh peaches. When George Soper learned that this was a much-requested dish for the families Mary Mallon served, he knew he had figured it out. According to Soper himself, writing later on of the events, quote, I suppose no better way could be found for a cook to cleanse her hands of microbes and infect a family. But how could Mary Mallon make so many people sick without herself being sick? Well, that is the question, isn't it? And one that I know a lot of us are probably wondering about ourselves right now. In 1906, 639 people died of typhoid fever, but not one of those cases had been tracked to a single carrier. Soper had an idea that it was possible for someone to be able to spread disease 
without suffering from the symptoms themselves, an idea that was uncommon at the time. These asymptomatic carriers can spread illness without ever feeling sick. We can understand that now in super-sophisticated 2020. But in 1907, Mary Mallon was having none of it. George Soper tracked her down at the job she had taken after leaving the Warren family's summer home in Oyster Bay. This time, it was a posh Park Avenue brownstone. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Mary Mallon answered the door, George Soper calmly asked her if he could take a sample of her blood, urine, and feces, to which Mary Mallon replied by chasing the man off with a carving fork. Honestly, though, who could blame her? That's just super weird. He repeatedly tried to convince her that he just needed to run some tests and asked if she could help him, but she refused until he contacted the New York City health inspector who insisted she come to them for testing. Mary Mallon ran and they only found her when they spotted a snatch of cloth from her dress poking out of the neighbor's shed. Mary Mallon was put in an ambulance and taken to an isolation ward at Willard Parker Hospital, where she was tested three days a week from March to November of 1907. The bacterium that causes typhoid was found in nearly every sample, and George Soper attempted to explain to Mary Mallon what exactly was happening and why. He explained that the germs in her body were getting on her hands when she was using the restroom. And in the process of preparing food, people were ingesting those germs and getting sick. He implored her to scrub her hands better to lessen the chance of making people ill. But Mary Mallon was lonely and frustrated and didn't buy any of it. All she knew was she felt healthy and fine. And that people get sick sometimes everywhere. And that there was no way he could prove she had done anything wrong. All she knew was that she was trying to earn her living, but was instead locked in an isolation ward in a hospital. She was especially uninterested in a suggested operation to remove her gallbladder, a process that sometimes helped asymptomatic carriers get rid of the source of the typhoid-causing bacterium. No knife will be put upon me. I have nothing the matter with my gallbladder, she was quoting as saying. Mary Mallon was moved from the isolation ward at Willard Parker Hospital to a bungalow on North Brother Island, a speck of land in the East River near the Bronx. She remained there for two years, treated as a dangerous outcast, until she sued the Department of Health for refusing to grant her due process. And she had a point. You can't just lock somebody up without a trial or a hearing and say they're dangerous, despite what the U.S. government tries to say about that every handful of years. The case was dismissed, though, because nobody wanted to be responsible for releasing Mary Mallon back into society. So she went back to her little bungalow on her little island in the East River, where she would sit for another year 
until February of 1910, when she would finally be released under the condition that she'd do a better job at maintaining her hygiene and never take a job as a cook again. Mary Mallon promised. As soon as Mary Mallon left North Brother Island, she totally went back to cooking again. How could she not? She was an Irish immigrant in 1910 and had exactly one marketable skill. Those three years she'd been held in isolation, nobody had ever bothered to show her another way to earn money. So she went back to doing what she'd always done, changing her name to Mary Brown and cooking wherever she could get work. For the next five years, Mrs. Brown would move from place to place, grooming houses, restaurants, hotels, sanatoriums, leaving typhoid behind wherever she went, but never staying long enough for people to make any connection between the illness and her. That is until 1915 when New York's Sloan Hospital for Women had a typhoid outbreak that sickened over 20 women, and an investigator was brought in to determine the cause. The investigator was once again George Soper, and as soon as he saw the freshly minted Mary Brown, he knew he'd found his culprit. Mary Mallon was soon once again apprehended and taken back to North Brother Island. This time she would stay for 23 years in her island bungalow, occasionally helping process tests for the hospital laboratory and sometimes making trips to Queens to see a family she was friendly with and who, according to George Soper, were, quote, not particularly glad to see her. Mary Mallon died of a stroke in 1938 at the age of 69. It was reportedly in good spirits at her later years as she'd found comfort and happiness in a newfound religious faith. The official number of people she sickened is 55, with three dead, but it is most certainly higher than that, as she moved around so frequently an accurate count is impossible to figure. At the time Mary Mallon was imprisoned on North Brother Island, around 400 other asymptomatic typhoid carriers were wandering around New York City, not one of whom was ever locked up against their will, which calls into question why exactly Mary Mallon was. Is it because, as a poor Irish immigrant, she was an easier target? Or because she so openly flaunted the guidance given to her to help keep others around her healthy? But certainly both. And it's difficult to reconcile why Mary Mallon just couldn't wash her damn hands. But also, this is the early 20th century we're talking about, where germ theory wasn't something we could expect average people with limited education to just roll with. Mary Mallon certainly must have felt like she was being victimized, as papers around the country wrote editorials calling her Typhoid Mary and cartoonists drew pictures of her stirring a pan of tiny human skulls. I've heard the story so many times over the years, and even I wanted to believe that Mary Mallon just chose to stir the soup with her bare hands and refused to do it any other way, instead of the truth, which was that she just made fancy ice cream and was confused about what was going on. I suppose because it's easier to blame people for their bad decisions when the decisions are so obviously wrong. Like using your hand to stir soup in 1906, or having a potluck with 30 of your closest friends in March 2020. Being able to blame the obviously bad choices makes it so much easier to live with ourselves when we make our own borderline ones. Like now, choosing to run back to Walmart for one more thing, or keeping your just-got-home-from-college-in-New-York-City kid away from their grandparents. Mary Mallon was just a woman doing her job, but she was careless, 
and that carelessness made a lot of people sick and at least a few of them dead. And people tried to teach her to be better, but she wouldn't hear it. Those people should have tried much harder to teach her, and she should have tried much harder to learn. Which is what I hope all of us are doing right now, as literally any of us could be our own little asymptomatic Mary Mallins, just trying to live our lives and not meaning anybody any harm, but capable of doing so anyway. Mary Mallin is a great history lesson for the concept of what do we owe our neighbors and to what do they owe us. And as with Mary Mallon, we should remember to get past the handle she herself hated, Typhoid Mary. And remember that if more people had helped her learn, and if she'd been more willing to be educated, a whole lot more people could have stayed well. That's it for this week, friends. I almost didn't get this one done, but I am grateful for the last-minute suggestion, and I hope you all enjoyed our first field trip. We just found out that schools are done for the year in Virginia, and my kids seem really happy, though I think even they know that summer break isn't supposed to start in March. I hope wherever you are, you are comfortable and well-fed and feel safe, that you have ample refills of all your meds and all your friends ready to go on FaceTime. Hang in there, y'all. And when this is done, we'll all go out for beers. I'll see you next week. For a list of sources or additional information, please visit www.vilevirginia.com or visit our Facebook page. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Six Semper Tyrannus, y'all.
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.